What is up, guys? This is John Nelson, and you are listening to the Starting Block Podcast. You are looking for a show that's going to give you the insight into complete athletic development, then you have found the right spot. So welcome to today's show. Guys, today we have a guest interview, and I'm going to bring our guest on here in just a second, but I wanted to go ahead and let you guys know that's what today's topic is going to be. Now, we do have other shows within our show as well, and so this format is just one. One of the other types of episodes that we offer is going to be our standard Q&A. This is where my co-host, Chris Scarborough. Hey, Chris. What's up? What's up? What's up? This is where Chris and I will take your questions, the questions that you guys submit to us, okay? And we will answer them live on air. And this will be anything regarding athletic development. I mean, it can be from strength, speed, uh, exercise selection. It could be everybody wants to know about ISOs and ramping up these days, Chris. Right. Um, you know, uh, it can be any of that stuff, guys. We'll answer any of those. Nutrition. Mandy, uh, my wife, and our other co-host, she joins us every uh, couple episodes, so she's kind of the nutrition guru, so she can answer those questions in here as well, and those episodes usually come out every other week. The last type of episode that we have is going to be the Friday Fire and Fact episode, and that's going to be about 10 minutes of me brain dumping on you, giving you a little bit of uh, insight into what's going on in my head. That might be motivation-wise, that might be just a theme of something, whether it's from the performance side of stuff or a wellness side of stuff or just kind of whatever's on my mind. Something I feel like we need to discuss and get out in the open. And uh, we'll throw some facts in there as well. Those questions, guys, for the Friday Fire and Facts, I I don't like to really answer a whole lot of exercise-based questions uh, during that episode. I I like to keep those for Chris and I and Mandy to answer on the Q&A. So if you have been submitting those, which we have plenty of them, if you've got them, I'm going to kind of filter those into the Q&As if they're more training-based. I think one week we talked about social media presence and things like that. And so that's kind of what uh, those Friday Fire and Fact episodes are going to be. And uh, you can submit all your questions to us either at info at EliteLevelPerformance.com or on our social media pages at uh, ELP underscore John. Or, uh, Chris, what's yours? Fast and Agile 49. I've learned if you put all that in there, it should pop up. Fast and Agile 49. Cool, cool. And uh, there is a fee for the show, guys. We ask you that you please share the show. Our whole goal with this is to build our community and to build the local community, but also the national community and and global. We actually have connections across the globe. We have some guests that should be coming on in the next few months as well that we're looking forward to introducing you to um, from the other side of the pond. But all we ask guys that you share the show. So if, uh, if you got value out of this, if you got some type of good information, learned something, please send it to somebody, please post on social media. That's all we ask. And so, uh, with that, let's get into the guest interview. So, we we'll do the drum roll. All right. Now, our guest today is a good friend of mine, a great local health care provider, and somebody that I refer to as the goat of optometry. He's also a sport vision performance therapist and specialist. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Brandon Wally. Hey, guys. Yes. Hey. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. It's weird. On. It's weird talking to John like five minutes down the street, like on the video here instead of being in person. But 
Yeah, no kidding. Like, we literally are five minutes yeah. away. Well, hey, yeah. if it makes you feel better, Dr. Brandon, uh, a lot of times Mandy joined us from across the same room as John. So that, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, she does. She literally sits on the other side of the yeah. room. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I appreciate you joining us. And uh, I, I'm, I'll kind of share a little bit about, you know, our history and, you know, then, I mean, tell everybody what did you do. I mean, Dr. Brandon and I reached our, gosh, Doc, you reached out to us probably, well, it's got to be like six years, five, yeah, six years. Yeah, 2017, 2018, like somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. it was a, it was a while, and uh, you had uh, you had some baseball, you had some baseball, so I honestly don't even remember. It was just some type of, you know, vision therapy, and we just we kind of started growing from there and just built our relationship, and we, we sent people back and forth from the optometry side of stuff to, I know you've sent people from, you know, they complain of a neck or shoulder issue, you've sent them out here, and um, we've worked some really interesting cases yeah. together too. Um, those are pretty cool. We might have to get into one or two of those. We'll keep those names private, but, um, pretty cool. And we just, I like obviously the stuff that we do outside of athletic development and this, you know, the show is about athletic development, but some of the things that you're doing from the, the sports side of things, you know, the visual performance, and you've worked with some, some of pretty high name guys that have come through the, the gym here, you know, and that's what we wanted to bring you on for. We wanted you to kind of share your story and, just kind of dig into the visual side of stuff. I feel, feel like it's really an area that is kind of overlooked in our industry. Yeah. People just don't pay enough attention to it. Yeah, so, yeah. it really is. So what's your background? It's an uh, overlooked area for sure. And it is growing. Um, there's a big um, sports vision conference every year now. And in February and every year it gets bigger and bigger as far as attendees go and membership and that kind of stuff. So I feel like in the next 10 years, we're going to have a big, you know, renaissance, I guess you could say of sports vision, but um, I got interested in it several years ago and, you know, they don't teach a lot about it in school in optometry school. And I was kind of just looking around Google and trying to find some guys that specialized in that. And there's a doctor named Daniel Laby and he's an ophthalmologist and he has been the team eye doctor for the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Mets and the Cubs and the Astros, I believe. And so he has a bunch of world series rings, like between all those teams, obviously. And so I said, this is the guy that I want to talk to. So I reached out to him and we got connected and we did, um, cause he's up in New York. Um, and then spent some time in Boston too. And so we did basically a zoom together and he has a, uh, he presented me with, um, some research and some courses and, um, we spent a lot of time together talking and he mentored me and, and taught me all about vision performance. And as soon as I talked to him, I just kind of had this fire about me and I said, this is something I really want to get into. And that's about the time I reached out to y'all and, um, kind of talked to y'all about vision and performance, how it relates to athletes and things like that. And so, um, it's been cool to see how everything's really evolved even since that time. Um, but the thing I've always liked about him was that he came from a research perspective because a lot of this stuff is, you know, you have to, I feel like sometimes it takes 20 minutes to explain to somebody what I actually do as it relates to vision and sports. And so having, oh, I, I don't know anything about that, having to explain people what it is that we do. I, I don't even have a name. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, but the nice thing is, is now a lot of what we do is data driven, whereas it wasn't before. Um, if you can see this big, that's this huge. big screen that's behind me, yeah. it's called the Synaptech Sensory Station. And it has a huge database of seven or eight visual components that every ath athlete goes through. 
testing for. And so we can put, put you in that database and compare you no matter what sport you're in, there's a database, what level, if it's, you know, junior high, high school, college, pro, um, and we can put you in that database and compare your visual performance to athletes at your level. And it really tells us where you need to be to perform at a high level from a visual standpoint. And so that really helps convince people what they need to do and, you know, gives us some goals to work towards and that kind of stuff. So, so it's neat to have that. So talk about like, sport like visual performance i get what what does that mean to the to the average listener who's you know not not really sure yeah what that truly means because i think when you just you don't we don't understand just how valuable that is. i feel like a lot of people take the vision for yeah. granted so it's not just simply wearing glasses or contacts. right right like it goes a whole lot deeper for right? sure and you kind of have to look at it like a pyramid and so the base of your pyramid is just having good vision having good 2020 vision, being able to see equally out of both eyes, having good depth perception, being able to judge distances between objects and good reaction time and ability to move your eye muscles back and forth and things like that. So you can have the basic level of that and kind of function normally in the world. And then you have performance vision, which is just a step above that normal vision to perform. And so when you're looking at that, you have to look at each sport and what's required of an athlete in each sport. And there's going to be two or three aspects of their vision. They're going to be really important. So for baseball, you have to have really sharp visual acuity, and then you have to have really good ability to see, see something moving and make a prediction in really a really short period of time, you know, be able to see the ball leave the pitcher's hand and be able to see where the spin is on that ball. And then, be able to decide whether you're going to swing or not swing at it in that really short period of time. And so that reaction time, and then just that really sharp acuity to see the ball, those are something for baseball. And then for somebody that plays a sport like soccer, you need to have really good peripheral awareness and be able to see things around you more and be able to see what, be able to make a prediction about where this player is running from and where they're going to end up and where you need to pass the ball or where you need to be to defend the ball and so being able to process all that information as quickly as possible is what's important for that. So you have to look at every sport individually and even go down to a position level and determine what's needed for that sport specifically. And so that's kind of where the, the performance level comes in is you are, you're trying to maximize those two or three components of the vision that's important for their sport to get them to that next level above average. Whereas just as an example, average visual acuity is 2020. So everybody can see the small letters on the chart. That's 2020. But for a baseball player, they really need to see 2015 or 2010. And so they. So, so in simplistic terms, acuity is going to basically be what people think of when they yeah, think of vision. Yeah, for sure. Like just simply being able to have 20. Okay. Yep. All right. Just want to clarify yep, that. For sure. So. So you just have to, you know, when you start using these big words, you start. To oh yeah. Them. Yeah. So I, yeah, yeah, sure yeah. I get it right. So, but you're, you're essentially just, you want to, you want them to be about 10 or 15% better than average. And that gives you an edge because a lot of athletes are not training their vision. And so if you can work on that and then overall strength and performance, it's just going to, it all kind of builds in together and makes you more well-rounded, but the interesting thing that I see, and part of the reason I do what I'm doing now, I do what's called vision therapy, and it's more for people that do not have those good foundational skills. And you've sent me some patients that we thought were coming in for more of a performance 
you know, therapy, but really they needed to kind of go back just to get to the normal baseline level. And then once we get them to baseline level, that's more performance vision training. And so I do a lot of work with, uh, with kids that have trouble with lace. Are you talking about like some, a- some athletes? That, yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. More like wellness people that I see. Cause I know I've sent you, I know you sent you both. Yeah. Athletes. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. So athletes that maybe don't have acuity level as good in one eye versus the other, um, things like that. So we have to get you to a good baseline level before we can get you, you know, up and above to that elite level of performance with the vision. So, um, that's kind of how we look at things. So, so primarily I'm doing a lot of vision therapy now with kids that have trouble reading and, um, can't keep up in school because their eyes are not working properly. And so we do a lot of training with that as well. Do you find that that's getting more? Sorry, oh, good. Chris, no, I'll all good. You. Do, you, do you feel like that's becoming more common to see like younger athletes with visual acuity problems? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's not really the acuity as, as much of an issue as that we're seeing more and more nearsightedness, meaning that you can't see far away without glasses or contact lenses because we spend so much time here and not enough time outside and, you know, dietary things are not where they need to be. And so those are, those are some big components that contribute to kids needing glasses. I mean, there's kids needing glasses now who's neither one of their parents needed glasses. And um, it's kind of becoming like an epidemic, just kids becoming more nearsighted. Um, and another thing we see is because of everybody's doing so much focusing up close, kids tend to be locked in right here. And so they have, they have a hard time going from near to far. And so if you think about that from maybe a baseball perspective, watching the ball leave the pitcher's hand and being able to follow it to where they are with the bat, that ability for the eyes to be flexible. Right. That's ringing a bell. Yeah, I, I think Marin yeah, had she that did. issue a long time mm-hmm. ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, did a, you did a lot of work with mm-hmm. her. Yeah, and I, I remember that. And that's kind of where my, my question okay. was going to go, actually. You just answered it, and that was, you know, have you ever seen anyone that had – good you know visual acuity or good eyesight so to speak you know they could see 2020 2015 whatever but then still couldn't hit the broadside of a barn you know when it came to swinging the bat you know so yeah. they, in other words they, they couldn't they didn't have the proper depth perception even though they had good eyesight have you ever seen anything yeah. along that line all the time and that's that's a big issue because the kids go to the pediatricians or they get a, they get a screening at the school where they say, read the eye chart, cover your eye, and they see 2020. But that doesn't mean that something else is not wrong with their vision. And so many kids are slipping through the cracks. They can see well far away, but they have some other kind of visual deficit that they're not seeing. And so that's why I always preach, you know, bring your kids in for an eye exam, even if you think they see well, because there could be something else going on. Yeah. Now, does that... You talk about the depth perception side of it, but it, it obviously goes deeper than that. Like it, it can go into the peripherals and stuff and kind of where I, where I'm, my head is going is I remember, you know, a few years ago, you and I actually watched one of Dan Fichter's um, interviews or podcasts or zoom things. And Dan, if you were listening to this, uh, that was really yeah. awesome. And I remember, I remember you and I sitting there like muscle testing yeah. each other, like muscle testing each other and, and seeing that and, I guess the premise of that, at least from what I remember and took away, was that when it's when something is kind of outside of your, I guess, horizon or outside of your primary area of focus, your nervous system perceives it as mm-hmm. a threat. And so that could be like even looking to the left or looking mm-hmm. to the right. 
And I think for baseball, I mean, any sport, but like baseball, you keep it simple, like a right-handed hitter, that's huge. Because if looking, you know, out of your left eye, like if that's not your dominant eye, like that can shut yeah, things down. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. And, and I always thought that was really, really interesting. Yeah, real shout, shout out to you square know, one, I, because that's, uh, I mean, that's a, there's a yeah. lot of that using that, uh, you know, yeah. to, uh, yeah, Sean system. Sherman yeah. in uh, square one. I mean, that's, uh, um, you know, utilizing that and trying to correct a lot of those issues uh, with the, with the visual system. Um, yeah, you don't want any, anything like that to be a threat for sure. So, right. And it's interesting. So how do you? I was just going to say, uh, just to kind of add on to that, one of the things that Dr. Laby taught me, uh, foundational things, was that I forget the number, but there's a very high percentage of Major League Baseball players the best hitters are cross dominant, meaning that they're right-handed, but left eye dominant. And so that has something to do with their success to be able to use both sides of their body that way without shutting down like that. Is that trainable? Can you yeah. create a, okay. For sure. Really? So if somebody like, cause I've always like, I'm act, I'm cross dominant. Mm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very left eye dominant. I'm left hand like, but, like I write left-handed, but everything, all athletics is right-handed, right-footed, all that. And I'm cross. And I, I Doctor, oh gosh, what's his name? Doctor Malilo, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, author of Disconnected Kids, and it's kind of like a Doctor Amen, but better. He talks about a lot of stuff of that functional disconnect mm-hmm. syndrome is something he brings up, and it, it's about that cross-dominant yeah. feature. And I and I don't, you know, I doubt we'll ever get him on the show, but I don't want to speak for him. But I've always been under the impression it's not really a good thing. And I mean, because it leads to compensation in the nervous system. So, like, I, how's that a good thing? And how, like, how's that trainable? If somebody's, because I, I, I try to get yeah. out of that. <laughs> so, like, well, so how's that trainable? Like, if you, if you're trying to, and do you know, that? strictly for baseball, you, you're, you're better off with that. And then maybe some shooting sports and things like that, where it's important to have that. Um, but eye dominance is not quite as important in things like soccer, lacrosse, stuff like that. Um, but what we run into a lot is, uh, with people that have, uh, like a midline shift syndrome or, uh, people that have had concussions, they have a hard time crossing the midline. And so that's stuff that we want to work on just to make them be able to cross the midline and be able to use both sides of their body equally, um, from a visual standpoint, like during like a visual pursuit, like pursuit that, or if I or... ask you to pick something up on the left side of the table with your right hand. And tell me what it is. Some people can't do that. We use uh, different blocks with different shapes. We'll have like a red triangle and then a blue square over here. And if I tell you to pick up that blue square with your left hand when it's on your right side and tell me what it is, some kids can't do that. And so that's interesting. That goes all the way back to the primitive reflex stuff. Like that's primitive reflexes, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So briefly about, sorry, Dr. Brandon, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, going back to what we, you and I were discussing briefly before uh, we even got on the air, and that was uh, concussion prevention and uh, peripheral vision. Mm-hmm. Um, what? How, how did those two? How does peripheral vision impact the uh, concussion risk or concussion yeah. severity, or, or how does how do those two things impact each other? Yeah, and the data always changes, but it, the it. A couple of years ago, the number one sport for concussions was women's soccer. And wow. um, 
if you think about soccer, I mean, peripheral vision is, is everything. And so that's knowing where the ball is, but also knowing where, where the other team is and your teammates. And so if you don't have good peripheral awareness and you go up for a header and your teammate or somebody else is over here, you're going to crash heads with that person and get a concussion. And so just having that awareness of where you are in the field and where everything else is on the field is just huge in, in terms of this prevention of that. Mm-hmm. And so when what I was mentioning to you earlier we kind of have two types of systems in our vision. You've got your central vision and you've got your peripheral vision. And so your central vision is your detail and knowing what something is and what color it is and what the features of somebody's face is and things like that. And your peripheral is, you know, where things are in space. It doesn't care what it is or doesn't care what it is. It just matters where it is. And so that's like your defense mechanism of if there's a wild animal over here chasing you, you don't care what color his eyes are. You just care that it's a big wild animal moving this direction. And so you're going to get out of the way of it. But right. if you have this, if you're, if you can't integrate between the central and the peripheral, then a lot of people have tunnel vision and they get locked in. And a lot of times when you're really stressed out, you have tunnel vision and then you're not even aware of your surroundings. And so you're more likely to have an injury or something like that in that case. And so to take that further, when you're using your peripheral vision, you have better control over your eye muscles. So you're able to locate things more accurately. So mm-hmm. you see things faster. And so everything performs on a faster level without you thinking. And so if you can learn to open up your peripheral space and learn what that feels like, that's what we call being in the zone. It's like you're, you're hitting you know 400 on the day because you weren't thinking about anything else. And so... That's one thing we try to teach everybody, whether it's an athlete or just a a vision therapy case, to use their peripheral vision and be aware of that at all times. Right. So, like, what are some basic things that we we could do? Because I I know I'm probably a prime example of that. I'm always staring directly at, you know, somebody on the Mm -hmm. table or, you know, here. Like, what are certain things that you can do to assess that or even just from a daily standpoint? So sometimes it it helps to use different like life examples. So if you ever think about whenever you've climbed up to the top of a big hill or if you've climbed up to the top of a mountain and you've been on this vista and you're standing here and you can see the whole sky and you can see everything that's in front of you, like how that makes you feel like you feel relaxed and you just kind of feel like you're, you're in just like a happy place. And so if you can, Think about being in a situation like that, if you can envision that, because we have to use visualization a lot to kind of help, you know, facilitate some of this. Um, but other activities you can do would be like standing on a balance beam or walking on a curb and try to walk without looking at your feet, but try to see things in your in your peripheral vision. You can have somebody stand on the side of you and throw things to you. Or you can have somebody ask questions about like, hey, what color is this guy's shirt over here? Or, you know, where where's this tree? And and try to notice things that are beside you instead of just right in front of you. Hmm. And 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 always like yeah. looking at the horizon as opposed to looking at your feet or looking at your, your phone or whatever. Like try to look out more. And that's and that's where as you were stating just so our athletes can can hear it again that's where the zone performance is right. typically in that is in that i see yeah. everything or i see 
with, but I'm not thinking about it. And that really, you know, that really agrees a lot with what Jay Schroeder said in our interview was, you know, your best performance in, you know, fill in the blank, your best performance at baseball or basketball or whatever, bench pressing, you're not thinking about <laughs> whatever, yes. whatever that activity is. You are in that zone and you're somewhere else. You're seeing everything yet. Everything, it's almost like you've heard people say it, it's almost like everything else is in slow motion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or something along that line. So, yeah. Uh, I th- I, something that I've always thought was interesting. And correct me if I if my percentages are wrong, but why why this is so critical to athletic development and how this can help somebody just immensely is the fact that the optic nerve drives so much energy or takes so much energy from the mm-hmm. body and from the brain. It, isn't it like 75% it's yeah it's like a that. lot and if if you think about it the it, the eye is the only part of the brain that's actually outside the the skull and so well it's the thing it's, it's always yeah, going yeah. constantly always always and so if there's a dysfunction there it's gonna clearly cause some type of stress yeah. within the system yeah. but like i don't we we don't think about that enough in yeah. what we're doing you know, especially athletics, it's all about the physical performance and physical side of stuff. But if one of the main, your eyes are basically, as, I mean, there's active as any other, like yeah. your heart, like basically the only two things are yeah. going all the time, yeah. I feel like, you know? And it's interesting because you, you mentioned you wanted to talk about blue light and, and I said, I wanted to talk about, <laughs> yeah. and I wanted to talk about yeah. red light. And so that kind of feeds into yeah. some of that topic. So just jumping ahead there. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so like uh, we use the term perceptions of threat a lot. You know, I'll, I'll give Garrett Salpeter, you know, the, his credit there, you know, for using, you know, kind of come up with that term. But the body's going to respond to a threat by, you know, shutting things down and directing energy where it needs to be directed. And so one of kind of the, the mysteries of ELP, at least, is my rule on phones having the blue light setting you know, on at 24 seven, my blue lights got to be off. And so one of the stories, and we'll put it up there one day. Um, but I know people ask me about it all the time is I'll muscle test people and we'll check to find an indicator muscle that's firing. And then I will literally put up their phone and I'll have the blue light showing test them. Boom, shut down everything, you know, and then put the blue light filter on. So no blue light and everything's strong again. And people are like, what, what the hell happened? How did that occur? My simple explanation is simply your brain can only process so much. And, and Chris, Tommy John, when he came and Tommy John mm-hmm. came to ELP a couple of years ago, he, I remember him talking about that, that one of the things that, he, that you see these days and doc, you correct, correct me on the numbers if I'm wrong, but like in the old school Nintendo days, like there were, all, there were X amount of mm-hmm. bits per second. Let's just say it was, you know, 30 or whatever. I don't know. 30 bits, right? And our brains and our optic nerve could process all that. But things these days, these LED screens and blue light, our, our brain literally cannot process. The eyes cannot physically take that kind of light and information in. And it just it shuts everything off constantly. And I've sent a lot of people to you with blue light, like headache stuff and neck and shoulder you know, problems and you know, they're always the people with two yeah. phones, you know, or, <laughs> right. you know, or, or they're a kid whose school is all iPad mm-hmm. based or whatever. So yeah, I, I do want to dive into the blue light and the red light because red light is, is huge as well. Yeah. So 
that's my so yeah that's a rule here is yeah, that's kind of because of you like no blue light allowed <laughs> yeah you know it's it's interesting too that the led lights now uh if you were to take your phone and put on slow motion and just do a slow motion video of an led bulb it flashes and then if you do the same thing with an incandescent bulb it just stays the same and so even though you don't perceive that flicker of light your brain is is seeing that flicker of light and it's it's trying to ignore it because it'd be looking like through a strobe light if you weren't ignoring it. And so, I'm doing yeah. that right now for anybody <laughs> who's watching, not watching. You know, if you're, if you're only listening audio only, so it's, I'm recording it's just that right this, now. Your brain is doing that task in the background all the time when you're around that kind of light. And when you get outside and you're in the sun, it's a consistent light and your brain just processes it like a regular light and it doesn't have to think about that extra processing. And so you're, you're automatically like using up maybe 10% of your energy reserve, just trying to like deal with that. And the more you're doing it 12, 14 hours a day in a room with these led lights, or you go home and you have led lights in your home, it's all, it just builds up. And so the, the blue light research has been interesting because there hasn't been a lot of conclusive data other than we know it affects your sleep and if it's affecting your sleep it's affecting your recovery and recovery is one of the most important things in athletics and so one of the things we know it does is it suppresses your melatonin so your body does not produce melatonin like it's supposed to so you can't sleep it produces more cortisol which keeps you awake and so and I think it takes 30 minutes or an hour for that effect to wear off. So if you're on your phone, you know, up until you go to bed, you're suppressing melatonin. So your body thinks it's supposed to be awake. And so you're not recovering. And so the blue light, turning the blue light off the screen is, is one thing, but you also have to think about the lighting in your house as well. Um, because if you're getting led flashing and flickering and, you know, things like that, we were, we were meant to sit by a fire before we went to bed and, you know, sit next to this light that's not this ultra bright light that looks like you're out in the middle of the day. Like our bodies can't adapt from that. So, um, but when you're talking about blue light protection, there's kind of different levels of it. So you've got obviously the screens help and, and we can make lenses that are kind of like this lens, which is a clear lens. And so it filters out some of the blue light in, this is a good lens to use during the day. Um, it helps filter out some of it, but at night you really need a lot more protection. You need something that's like this and it's going to filter out 70 or 80% of the blue light. Yeah. If you're, if you're watching, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple, these look like, uh, like yeah. Elton John. yeah, red, red tint <laughs> glasses, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> And so that blocks out most of the blue light that you're getting from other sources. And so if you're really wanting to recover and avoid the blue light, you have to have something like that. Now, I understand that a lot of the athletes are young, you know, in their 20s, they're trying to, to attract the opposite sex. So this probably isn't something that people want to wear, but it's, you know. Yeah. But if, you're, <laughs> but if you're sitting in your, let's say you're on your computer at night and, you know, you're just working on the computer then, you know, then great. That would be yeah. probably a great thing to, to wear, blocking out most yeah. of the blue light reaching your eyes anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. 
So what what about red light? Now, what's the difference between Oh, there was the one other thing I wanted to explain about the blue light too. There's some cool new technology. Oh yeah. Um for we know it helps, we know that it causes a lot of glare. And for baseball players or anybody else that plays under the lights, a lot of these new lights or these big fancy white LED lights that produce a whole lot of glare. Um one of your athletes came to me complaining about certain stadiums he was having trouble seeing in because of the lights and things like that. Um some new contact lenses just came out. They're called AccuView Oasis Max, and um, they have blue light protection built into them, and they really help a lot from glare and things like that at night. So um, it doesn't obviously have this same effect, but it's still going to help quite a bit for athletes that are playing under the lights that are having a lot of problems with glare, and you can't wear sunglasses at night. So um, if anybody's interested in that, let me know about yeah. that for sure. Interesting. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 I'll, 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 do you have a pamphlet or yeah, something on I can, that? Yeah, I can give you some office? stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'll swing by and, and pick. I, that's really cool because mm -hmm. I hear that a lot. That's not yeah. uncommon. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, so, I, uh, so now along the lines of, of performance. So before, I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Excuse me. Before we get into the red light, which mm -hmm. I know can also affect performance. But so just very quickly. So we have you know a visual acuity, which is sort of our baseline. No, basic eye movement, so strength in the eyes, I guess you could say, sort of our base, mm -hmm. that's our base level. And our performance level, we're talking about more along the lines of being able, of being able to, like you would say, depth perception, uh, being able to see more peripherally would be mm -hmm. more along the lines of our performance-based mm -hmm. things. Uh, uh, now, we've kind of gotten a little bit into the book. I'm just kind of trying to summarize here just a little bit of what, what we're looking at. But now also the red light, uh, also can potentially have a recovery effect. Is that, is mm -hmm. that true? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so the, the red light is interesting because um, it produces more energy for your cells. So if you're familiar with like the Krebs cycle and all that stuff, ATP is, is energy. And so the blue light, there's, or the blue light kind of takes some of that energy away, whereas the red light feeds energy into the system. And there have been multiple research papers that have come out the past couple of years that say that three minutes a day of red light therapy has has helped people that have macular degeneration regenerate vision. So people that have already lost vision are recovering vision. And if you think about losing vision from something like macular degeneration, usually once you lose vision, it's gone because your eye is, is like your brain. So if you have a stroke and that part of your brain dies, you can't really regenerate that but the, the red light has been shown to regenerate nerve tissue. And so this is like a huge discovery. And so, and it doesn't take a lot of time. Like I said, three minutes a day. Um, so they've got the red light panels. You can't really stare directly into those, but you can get glasses made that are this deep red um, tint and you can put those on and you can look at a, at a brighter like incandescent bulb. And that has that effect. It, it signals the brain to produce more ATP in the cells and the, in the mitochondria help the cells recover better. And so right. it's really interesting. So it works for the whole body. Everything wow. really, if you think about it, everything still ultimately comes down to energy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it ultimately sure. comes down to energy. Oh, you yeah. Know, so. yeah. Yeah. It's always energy. Everything has a vib yeah. vibrational yeah. frequency. And yeah. the cool thing about the eyes is so, you know, red light therapy for, for your whole body is good. And, but the, the red light into the eyes is a direct access point to your brain. And so there's no other way to access the brain 
you know, like that with anything else. So there's no way to, to put medicine into your brain, you know, but this is a, in a, in a sense, you're, you're helping recover the brain and the eyes. Nice. Now, I, we have a mm -hmm. red light here. I don't know when the last time you were, you were in here um, working out or anything, but like, does it have to be a specific type of red light panel or can it be just like a red, red light like we have? Obviously, you got you to have the glass. Yeah, so you just want a, just a deep red light. So uh, I've seen pictures of what you have and, and what you have is, is good. Um, and there's not a lot of data on, you know, whether staring straight into it hurts your eyes. So you don't want to stare straight into it. So you, you do want to have the protection, but just anything that's that deep, deep red, you know, like cherry Kool-Aid, you know, that, that color is what you're looking for. I tell you that, that is the macular degeneration thing. I mean, I know this is an athlete podcast, but that, that is really interesting because that the fact that you go down that route uh, for people who don't, I didn't talk about this in an interview. That's one of the reasons that like, like we developed such a good relationship was I really just like you're so you're open-minded and I think a lot of doctors a lot of you know healthcare providers are just very like yeah. tunnel vision of what they do but like I remember saying like I can't believe there's not something that right. can be mm -hmm. done for the eye like you can't tell me that just the eye can never yeah. be improved other than just glasses or contacts and I remember you being like yeah absolutely you know it can we mm -hmm. there's different things and so I'm, I'm very interested in that because you and I have had these conversations a little bit about microcurrent type stuff and you know and and admittedly it's that's way over my head but a cool thing though is dr mcmakin the microcurrent you know founder she, she's going to be coming nice. on soon um so it might be something we can connect yeah. prior to that and maybe get get her engaged so i, I find that yeah. very interesting yeah. very cool what so all right so the red light we got the red light we've got you know the the acuity and peripheral looking around like what are some things, I guess, like tangible elements that somebody, because what you do is very specialized. Like, you know, and we have people all across the country doing this, and I'm sure there are other sure. optometrists that do this, but for somebody who can't get out to see you, okay, what, what are some things an athlete can do on a daily basis to improve this, you know, to work on this component yeah. for their sport performance? So one thing we haven't covered is, and this relates to nutrition, to nutrition and blue light and everything else. So nutrition for the eye is very important. Um, so the back part of your eyeball, the retina is orange. And that is what protects your eye from damage, from blue light, from damage from the sun, from damage from anything else in the environment. And so if you're eating like a meat and potatoes diet and you're not eating any kind of fruits and vegetables, then you're not getting that pigment on the macula, on the optic nerve in the retina that's going to protect your eye and it's going to actually help you see better. It's going to help you see better at night. And so eating things that are like brightly colored, like bell peppers, sweet potatoes, carrots, berries, leafy green vegetables, eating that kind of stuff builds pigment up into the eyeball and it helps you see better, react better, and it just protects your eye from damage over time. If you don't like that kind of stuff, there's supplements you can take. You want to look for stuff that has lutein, zeaxanthin, or astaxanthin. Those are three really big supplements, and, and they make uh, vitamin gummies that you can chew if you don't like to take pills. Um, but look for those kind of things, and, and you'll see a, a noticeable difference in your vision as you take those things, especially at nighttime. Um, so that's one thing that you can do to just protect your eyes from damage later in life, but also in, improve your, your performance. Um, but the biggest thing would be in, in terms of just daily stuff, 
like I was mentioning before, the less time you can spend looking at things here and the more time you can spend looking at things that are out away from you, the better. Um, it just, it puts you in that peripheral state more. It, you're in more of a relaxed state. You're not overusing your eye muscles that go from near to far. And you're not fatiguing your muscles doing things that are not related to what you need them for. So it's like if you spend all day looking at, at TikTok on your phone and then you have a game that night, your eyes are exhausted from looking at your phone all day. So just spending as much time as you can away from your phone and out is one of the most important things anybody can do. Yeah. I would have never dreamed of hearing that advice when I played baseball many years ago. So, yeah. <laughs> there was no <Yep>. cell phone. <laughs> they, they, baseball was around. <laughs> I walked into that one. So. Yep. <laughs> I got <laughs> Yeah, you did. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, we're, we're running out of time here. Um, I know we all have appointments right after this. Yep. This yeah. has been fun. I, I've always been really passionate about this. I just, I think it's so cool. And doc, you have, you've really come a long way with this stuff in the last however long, like five, six, seven years, however long it's been. And I, I know the people that from the, the athletes that have come to see you as well, like they have seen some immense progress. Um, immense progress. And guys, I would highly encourage you, if nothing else, at least do some of the things Dr. Brandon is telling you to do, like, you know, at home. But for more information, like if you want to get in touch with them, I'm sure you can reach out to him social media, you can call his office, but like, how can guys, and, and I, guys, I say guys, it's girls too. How can guys get so in touch with them? On Instagram, Carrierville Vision is the handle on Instagram. And then um, carriervillevision.com is the, the website there. And then I have a YouTube channel. I need to get better about posting on YouTube, but it's Carville Vision Center on YouTube. And those those three ways are the best ways to find me. Um, if you have any specific questions, if you DM on the Carville Vision Instagram, um, I'll get that. I always laugh because my uh, my receptionist laughs because some, some of the guys like to order their contacts through the Instagram DMs. And so they're like, oh yeah, he's going to order his contacts on here. So um, so anyways, that's the best way to reach me. If you have any questions about anything, I, I like to answer stuff on there. Cool. Cool. Well, this has been fun. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to join us and hopefully we're able to connect on this again and, and keep building on it. Um, I think Absolutely. that's just some really great information yeah. that can really help everybody. Um, so yeah, I appreciate it, man. It's been fun. And, uh, guys remember to share the show. If you, if you got value out of it, if you enjoyed it, Please share the show. Help Dr. Brandon out. Help us out. Help get Five this star message review out to on everybody. Um, yeah. Yeah, give us reviews yeah. on Apple. Yeah, yeah, I haven't checked that in, in a minute. But yeah, don't hesitate to uh, leave us a review. Help us out a little bit. So uh, we appreciate you guys. Uh, we love you guys. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, Thanks, we'll talk Thanks, to you Dr. all Brandon. later. Bye.